to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis with you for the next hour right through till 8 o'clock. I hope you've had a fantastic just almost before Christmas weekend wherever you are. Cracker of a show tonight, show number 193. I would love you to be part of it. Text me 3920, keyword live, that'll pop up right here in front of me in the heart of the news hub. If you're a Twitter person, one of my Twitter, we should become, you should become one of my Twitter friends at Vaughan Davis. That'll pop up on all of my devices. And I would love to uh, carry on the conversation after the show. Quite often get people tweeting me saying, hey, what was that app? What was that website? And always happy to chat. Later on in the show, Mr. Piyush Chandra, a.k.a. PC, with a story about stories, how Google can uh, can story your choice children to sleep and of course the obligatory tech story about kittens first though Miller is a bit of an overachiever. He sold his first business, Umfa, when he was still in his teens, and his current one, Unfiltered, is fast becoming the go-to for business inspiration. As far as I can tell from Facebook, he divides his time between New York, Auckland, and the South Island's West Coast, but he's here today to talk to us. Jake, welcome to Sunday Social. Thank you so much, Vaughan. Great to be on the show. Yeah, what brings you to NZ? Uh, so I've been down here at the moment working on three things. Firstly, with Lifeline, uh, you know, an amazing charity I'm an ambassador for, raising some money for, you know, the horrendous youth suicide uh, statistics here in New Zealand. And we, we hosted a dinner a couple of weeks back and raised $55,000 for that, which was amazing and uh, something, you know, I'm super proud of. Obviously, it's something, a cause that needs some attention. So mm-hmm. it's, it was great great to be able to help with that. And then also running a half marathon, uh, which is my first ever. So that's been a, a lot of training. And then also doing a bunch of work with uh, Huawei to launch the new Mate 10 uh, artificially intelligent uh, smartphones. So oh, thanks, well. Yeah, I've, I've been lucky enough to to have one of those in, the, uh, in my Christmas stocking, thanks to the Huawei PR ferry myself. Yeah, so yeah. We can we can we can compare Huawei P um, Mate tens after the show. So, but your your main business, your main business is uh, this video business education inspiration website called Unfiltered. Is yep. that how you would describe it? Yeah, I'd describe Unfiltered as a as a learning platform for entrepreneurs who want to learn business fast. So we're all about providing content and insights to you know hungry hustling entrepreneurs who are pretty impatient and they want to learn as fast as possible. And we break all of our interviews up into, you know, really consumable chunks of advice, focusing on everything from expanding into new markets or raising capital for your business or marketing or whatever it may be to, to truly help entrepreneurs learn business fast from the best business people in the world. So in essence, uh, you've, you've tracked down a whole bunch of interesting, successful, inspirational people, plonked them down in front of a video camera and chatted to them about these things. That's, that's the format, right? Yeah, yeah. So generally we have about an hour with one person and, uh, you know, we film for the entire hour and then it's broken up into maybe 15 or 20 individual videos. So it's, it's talking about success, it's talking about how they got there and it's talking about how, you know, the next generation can build successful companies as well. Why did you decide to to chop your videos into little little bite-sized pieces. I mean, you know, what, what's wrong What's wrong with a, a, a one-hour video? Hey, this is a one-hour show. It rates through the roof. Yeah, I mean, we give our viewers the opportunity. They can watch the whole thing. Uh, but there are a lot of people out there who want to learn as fast as possible and compare answers 
on certain topics. So, for example, if we're talking about, you know, raising your first first round of capital for your business, as an example, uh, you know, people can come onto our site and listen to two-minute videos of some of the top entrepreneurs in the world talking about, you know, how they raise their first round. So that way people can learn really fast, get insights from a lot of people, uh, you know, which makes it, you know, a very, I guess, user-friendly experience for the consumer. And tell me about the the sort of people you you have on the channel. Yeah, so we've we've just came back from the US. We've been filming for the past two months, and we've done some amazing interviews over there. We filmed with I think five founders of companies in the US that have become billion dollar companies in the space of the past ten years. Mm-hmm. So amazing entrepreneurs who are building these incredible companies. The founder of Warby Parker, which is an amazing glasses brand out of America. Um, we filmed with uh, Don Valentine, who founded Sequoia Capital, arguably the the, the greatest venture capital firm in the world um sir richard branson we're filmed with uh you know sarah blakely coming up soon who is the youngest self-made female billionaire in the world who founded spanx so you know uber successful uh entrepreneurs people out there doing it people out there who have done it uh and people out there who want to share their sort of secrets and 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 advice to the next generation and how do you how do you go about um you know convincing these people to give up an hour at least of of their time because i'm guessing they're all pretty busy people if they're running billion dollar companies how do you convince them you know oh, i'm from new zealand <laughs> and you know, come and sit on the couch and uh, and give an interview. What's what's the pitch? Yeah, there's a lot of because pers- I could I could use this. You yeah, see, no, get no, on the show. absolutely. There's a lot of persistence. Uh, I know I'll generally follow s- someone up. You know. 10 to 15 times before I give up and quite often I find maybe 10% of people will reply on the first email, you know, 20% on the second, 25 on the third, but you sort of get to the fourth or fifth and people realise that you're not going to give up until you actually get a reply. So you mm-hmm. start getting a lot more replies after that. So I'll just keep following up. It's honestly all about persistence and just banging down the door as hard as we can. And how many um, people have you interviewed so far uh, um, as part of Unfiltered? As part of Unfiltered, I think I've interviewed about two or 300 people. Um, I had a business beforehand, Umfa, and across both of those, probably 450-odd people now. And does everyone make the cut? Because not everyone's awesome, right? You might you might think they are, but you get them on the couch and the camera starts rolling and you go, yeah. oh, geez, this person's just spouting what they, uh, what they Googled. 95% of people make the cut. And if they don't, generally it's because there's been an issue with maybe some equipment or something like that. Or you tell um, them, oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> really sorry. I'm really sorry, Sir Richard, but turns out the mic was off. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no we, we've never lied about it, but it is, uh, you know, most people I make the cut. I would lie about it. That's why because um, I, I wouldn't ring up and say, hey, turns out you're useless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Most people are great, you know, and we, we do a lot of research before we interview people and, uh, you know, and make sure that, you know, the people we're going to interview, we really want to be on the show. So I, I feel like I've seen a photograph of you and Richard Branson a hundred times. You know, you're, you're very good at sharing things on social media, bless. Um, who are the, you know, out of those hundreds of people you've spoken to over, over the last few years, who are the ones that really stand out? The ones you go, wow, that was, that was you know, one of the best hours of my life just yeah, talking yeah. to that person. Well, I'm going to talk about two New Zealand examples that I've filmed both of in the past two months that have been amazing interviews. Uh, First of all, Chris Heslip, the the founder of Pushpay, mm-hmm. uh, an amazing New Zealand tech company that's now got a market cap of about eight hundred million dollars, and we filmed with him in Seattle about a month ago. So we should give some context um, for this. This this is this is largely a church donation platform now, right? It is, yeah. Which, which was donations. kind of unexpected, I think, but yeah. that, that became its niche. Yeah. So now, rather than you know pass the bag or pass the plate round your your super church in America, you just use the app. Yeah, exactly. So you use the app to make the donations, and it's a New Zealand company, but based in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And Chris was an 
amazing person to interview. So much wisdom and so many lessons. You know, he's gone through a lot of hard times as an entrepreneur. And I think he had started something like 18 companies before he before he started PushPay. So it was an incredible story talking to him about that. Um, we also interviewed a, a lady named Linda Jenkinson a couple of days ago who um, she founded a company um, called Dispatch Management Services, uh, which grew to a revenue of, you know, over half a, sorry, quarter of a, a billion US dollars. Um, you know, and... So and this is a Kiwi? Yeah, she's a Kiwi, So yeah. this is a story I've never heard. Yeah, yeah. So she's a Kiwi. She started this company, uh, you know, with one of the Twitter co-founders and, you know, she's now on the board of Air New Zealand and grew this to, you know, revenue of a quarter of a billion US dollars and uh, and then had an exit there. And then her second company, John Paul, was acquired last year for US $150 million by a core. Mm. Um, so this hugely underrated entrepreneur in the sense that no one really knows too much about her story, but she's built these two companies that are absolutely amazing um, and, you know, an incredible entrepreneur. So we talked to her in Fiji about three days ago for an hour and, you know, the advice she shared was amazing. It was really cool. So I get the idea that, um, you know, telling these otherwise unheard stories is, is a bit of a motivation for you, a, a, as it is for me and a lot of the work that I do. You know, you think, wow, this is an amazing person. Why doesn't more person, uh, why don't more people know about them? Is, is that one of the main things you get out of doing unfiltered? Absolutely. And I, I think in New Zealand, that's something we really have obsessed about when, when we've built the business here. In the US, it becomes a bit harder because, you know, of course, there's a lot of entrepreneurs over there who nobody's heard about, but we're trying to, um, you know, obviously grow our subscriber base as fast as possible over there. And, you know, it, 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 the lower hanging fruit of the people who have, you know, large profiles because it's easy to market those interviews. Yeah, but, but um, on, on, the, on the other hand, you know, I, I, I can see uh, Elon Musk or, or yep. um, Richard Branson anywhere, right? That's so true. sort of yeah, uh, yeah. there's a... There's a, a, a a balance between those two hundred percent. So if I think of some of our interviews that we're most proud of, for example, we did one with Stephen Jennings, the, the New Zealander who's had tremendous success in uh, you know Russia building his investment bank Renaissance, and now mm. in Africa building seven cities with uh, um, with his company uh, that's going to come back to me the name in a minute. But um, you know an incredible, incredible story. Uh, Rendeva, sorry, is the company in Africa, um, and you know he hasn't done interviews with any New Zealand media in a number of years and we had an hour of him to sit down and talk about you know the secrets of building these companies in emerging markets and that's a story that should be so well known in New Zealand but nobody really knows about Stephen Jennings and what he's achieved so that was amazing and you know they're the kind of interviews we probably love the most. So having having done all these interviews and spoken to all these successful people and I'm, I'm guessing success means financially successful generally um you know generally there's a there's a whole bunch of ways we look at that well, when we say entrepreneur we don't mean yeah made people happy we mean made people rich including themselves yeah i mean i interviewed someone in uh, fiji a few days ago who's built a company called thank you and they give away a hundred percent of their profits to uh you know to charity and that company's grown to a, a very large company but you know they haven't become rich themselves so generally speaking uh i think find you know money that they've made both for themselves and for their shareholders is, is a good scoreboard on which entrepreneurs are judged. So having, having met and, you know, interviewed all these successful people, well, there must be some themes that emerge, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think probably the, the number one theme that just comes through is these people just keep moving forward. And, you know, there, there are really tough times in businesses, as, as we all know, but these people don't give up. You know, if we look at some of the, some of the, the most, you know, 
I guess, inspiring interviews we've done and you look at the stories of those people, there's been so many failures along the way and mm. so many times where that person could have been like, okay, I've had enough. I'm going to, you know, take a back seat. I'm going to, you know, Go do get a job. Exactly, exactly. And I've done it again and again and again and it's not always success. There's a lot of failure along the way and I think that's a, a massive lesson for any entrepreneur is it's, it's not going to be like a linear path to success. So that's probably one of the, one of the most common themes. Um, you know, I think, Another one is just finding it. You know, these entrepreneurs have generally found a painful problem and they've built a solution for that. Mm. I think that's one thing I'm learning more and more and more is that so many, it's so easy to come up with, you know, a great business idea that's so cool. And we can sit here now, Vaughan, and you know, come up with 20 ideas. Mm. But the question that needs to follow is does this solve a, you know, a painful problem for someone in that, a specific that market? Pay that to exactly. Have yeah. Do yeah. people want to pay for that? It's not about inventing the next Facebook or coming up with the next Instagram because, you know, of course that can be done, but it's so rare, those mm. stories versus going, I'm going to solve a problem that every single lawyer in the world has and every single lawyer is going to pay for. Mm. Then you know who you're selling to. You can get product market fit. That's really and important. You can get really focused. Hey, talking to founder of Unfiltered, Jake Miller. Back soon. It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. Welcome back to Sunday Social. Uh, with me in the studio, founder of business education video channel, Unfiltered Jake Miller. Welcome back. Thank you, Vaughan. Now, we said something before the break about um, entrepreneurs, you know, not giving up. And a sign of giving up as an entrepreneur, perhaps, is uh, getting a job like, you know, a lot of us have had at some time in our lives. You, have you ever had a job? I haven't actually. Um, I've done. You're, a, you're the long-term unemployed. Yeah, I've never actually had an employment contract. I've done a little bit of consulting here and there for various mm-hmm. companies, but I've never had a job. Would you ever have a job? No. That's pretty. That's, that's pretty firm uh, and definite thing to say. At, you know, 22 years old. Right? Yeah, I think like if I had, uh, if one of my companies was acquired or something, and I had to do a certain amount of time as a handover or something, I would maybe do that. But. I value my freedom too much, to be honest, and I think I'd be a terrible employee. Well, freedom's an interesting thing. You know, I, I, I once um, wrote and then quoted myself um, that, you know, owning your own business is the absolute freedom to work every hour of every day. What do you make of that? That's a very good point, but you choose to do it. I think, and you, of course you choose to turn up to a job if you have one, but I, I, I know that, you know, um, as an entrepreneur, you know, every you really are setting your own schedule, exactly what you want to do. You know, you're making those decisions every day. And I think it's empowering to be able to have that level of freedom and flexibility. Um, whereas I know that, you know, for example, you know, if you wake up one morning and you just really just can't be bothered today, it's not like you have to turn up and be somewhere, you know, whereas... I think this is very hypothetical because I don't think you wake up and think that. Yeah, I know, but there are certain times when I wake up and go, I just can't be bothered today. And then I might just, you know, in New York and go and sit in the park and read my book. Whereas I wouldn't have that flexibility if, if I really had to turn if, up. If you meant to turn up at you know, 9 yeah. o'clock in, in the office. So we, we chatted about this last time you were on the show, which must be a couple of years ago now at least. Um, t- tell us about what led you from being, you know, a, a kid in school, surrounded by kids in school who planned to go to university and, you know, get that job to where you are today. What's the, you know, give me the short version of that. Yeah, the short version is that I picked up uh, Sir Richard Branson's uh, Losing My Virginity, the autobiography, and uh, read that and just was so, so inspired by what he had achieved and was like, man, I'm going to do this and decided to turn down a law scholarship I had and go and start my first business straight out of school. And if I hadn't read that book, I definitely wouldn't have gone and, and started my first business. So that was a massive uh, tip point for me. So just, you know, actually reading a self-help book gave you some self-help? A hundred percent. And that's why I love what we do because I truly believe that, you know, one 
one gem of like wisdom or one bit of advice can truly change someone's life. So uh, let's, let's talk about advice yeah. and talk about mentors because um, as far as I can tell you, you've kind of surrounded yourself by some pretty experienced people. Um, you know, Rob Fife, Kevin Roberts, Diane Foreman, and, and a lot yeah. of the people like, I guess you've met through uh, interviewing them, which yep. is not a bad way in. Yep. Tell, tell us about your relationship with mentors, because I think mentoring is something that doesn't happen a lot in New Zealand business. Yeah, I think it's really important to have people around you who can, you know, truly give you advice based on, you know, the lessons that they've learned before. And I know I truly value my relationship with, with mentors who, um, you know, have, have given me so much advice over the years. And it was only recently we kind of formalised that structure by putting a board of directors in place and that's when we appointed Rob Fife and Kevin Roberts to our board um, and the value that you know that they bring is amazing is incredible you know to be able to sit around the board table and and learn from people who have truly been there and built incredible companies is is absolutely priceless um, so I, I always say to any entrepreneur surround yourself by good mentors you know ideally make sure those mentors are you know in your industry or know know the space that you're playing in because then they can provide you so much you know valuable advice well the interesting thing or one of the many interesting things about Kevin Robertson and Rob Fife is um, it's not like you pay them they pay you they're investors in your business, right? Yeah. So how, how do you how did you shake them down? I mean, one point two million dollars out of a bunch of uh, you know, many, a lot of which was from high, high profile New Zealanders. Yeah. What was your pitch to them? Uh, so you mean when we raised the money, or to yeah. come on the board? When you, when you raised the money. Yeah. When we raised the money, it was very much around uh, you know our dream to become you know the best business learning platform in the world by you know inspiring you know helping you know a million people achieve their dreams in business by twenty twenty one. That's kind of the dream we've been working towards and. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of these business people who invested in our company were really excited about that vision and they wanted to, you know, they've reached a stage where they've made a lot of money and they've had a lot of success and they really mm -hmm. want to give back and they see Unfiltered as a good way to truly help bring up the next generation of business leaders. When we when we decided to appoint Rob and Kevin to the board, um, you know, of course there was a commercial structure there for, for their time on our board as well over that time period. So you give them some of their money back? Uh, <laughs> yeah, or through like employee share scheme <laughs> options and so on, yeah. Yeah, so the, the reason you raised that money, so one point two million dollars uh, was to expand or launch into the US mm. so if, if you want to be global you're not going to do that from you know the west coast of the South Island mm. talk about the states and, and and talk about how a New Zealand company doing this is perceived up there because I'm, I'm guessing you've got competition yeah absolutely and the US is definitely a lot of people playing in our space um, I think I I think going up to the US, probably the most important thing to remember is that it's just so big and it's hard to truly understand the scale difference between a place like New Zealand and the US until you're really up there and sort mm. of working on it. And I think it's a dangerous game to go over and think we're going to expand to the entire US. So for us, we're really focused on New York, we're really focused on San Francisco and we're really focused on Los Angeles. That's where we target you know, our subscribers, that's where we do the, mo the majority of our interviews mm -hmm. um, and that's where we spend all of our time you know, meeting with PR companies and accounting firms and law firms and distribution partners and everything we have to do. And I think, you know, choosing specific parts of those big markets is really, really important. How we're perceived, um, I think it's an advantage, you know, I, I really do. You know, people are, are excited about seeing this company that's, you know, done well overseas come over and try and expand into the US and they, they really want to help. So I guess, I, think, I guess if I'm Elon Musk's brother and I've got five interview requests, yeah. one, of, one of them's from a young Kiwi. Yeah one of these things is not like the other. Yeah, I mean, and again, I think it also comes back to the persistence piece. You know, I, I think I emailed Kimball Musk, Elon's brother, five times. I think it was the fifth time his assistant came back and said he'd love to do it. Mm. So it, it just goes, I think everybody gives up a little bit too early. Like, you just have to keep going. 
So you touched on the subscription thing. We haven't really talked about this yet. So your videos are not free. No, so we have a subscription model. It's $14.95 a month. Um, and we try and make it accessible to any entrepreneur, whether you're a, a young kid sitting in your bedroom in Christchurch building your first company or somebody who's, you know, running a, a large a large company as well. So we try and make it as accessible as possible for anyone, no matter where you are in the world. And what sort of people subscribe? Because, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't I haven't given you my credit card details because, you know, I'm, I'm a bit overwhelmed by all the media choices I can get for nothing without yep. actually going over and you know, paying for some more. No, no, uh, fair who, enough. Who, who, who forks up the cash and, and pays for this? So probably the, the main thing we try and communicate to our viewers is Unfiltered is not a media platform. You know, we're not focused on the here and now. We're not focused on what's going on today and, you know, who's achieving what. It's very much focused on learning and education. So mm. the curation of the content is our unique selling point. So the people who pay are hungry, hustling entrepreneurs who want to learn business fast. So that's that's our biggest market and that's the people who are most passionate about what we do, who, you know, they want to learn as fast as possible. They're trying to grow their business. They don't have time to go and sit through a two-hour long interview. They really want as much knowledge as possible in the shortest amount of time. So every decision we make is about making it consumable, accessible, you know, easy for people, packed with knowledge, uh, and then breaking it down and also structuring the website in a way that makes it easy for people to learn as fast and, as possible. And, and where are these people from? Uh, so at the moment, most of our subscribers are from New Zealand. We only launched, officially launched into the US about three months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just starting our marketing up, uh, outreach up there. And that, you know, obviously is chicken and egg a little bit in terms of the content. So I'm over there spending a lot of time up in the US at the moment, just filming as much content as possible. Yep. Uh, and then we're going to really ramp up our subscription model in the US. So you're pretty busy. Yeah. Understatement. Yeah. You, you talked about, um, you know, reading, uh, reading your book in Central Park. What else do you do in your downtime? Do you have any downtime? Not at the moment. And this is one of the brutal realities, I think, of being an entrepreneur. You know, like I um, I came back from New Zealand recently. My nana was really unwell and I came down to say goodbye to her. And then I made a decision about three, four months ago to have like a sprint up until Christmas, just work every day as hard as possible and then take, you know, all of January off and go and do a trip through Asia. Mm-hmm. And it was only two days ago I decided to cancel that entire trip and go back to New York for six months. And it's just those kind of decisions you have to make. And I know that, uh, you know, for, for most people obviously do work incredibly long periods of the time, but for me that will be sort of nine, ten months without taking almost a day off. You know, it is seven days a week. It's relentless. It's full on. Um, but we're probably going to head into a capital raise next year, early mm-hmm. next year. It's something we haven't really talked about yet, but we are going to head into a capital raise early next year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be the wrong time to take a month off in January. So it's those decisions you have to make. So in the down, in my downtime, I would say running has been something I've I found a lot, of, a lot of joy in recently. Mm-hmm. So training for this half marathon like trying to get out and trying to stay fit i can't say i'm doing a great job of it but i am enjoying that um and then also you know you're obviously a pilot yourself one picking up my flying lessons back in the us as well i've been really enjoying that and then reading as much as possible is it i think it's a good way to obviously learn but be sort of escape from day-to-day reality sometimes into a into a fiction book i read a lot of fiction hey uh jake miller from uh, unfiltered.com TV, thank you so much for squeezing, squeezing 20 minutes of your uh, of, of, of your time in tonight. That's so kind. Thank you so much. It's great to be on the show as always. Cheers. And welcome back to Sunday Social. You can listen to that entire interview with Jake Miller, of course, at radiolive.co.nz under shows and Sunday Social. Or if you're the podcast type, which probably means you catch the bus, uh, if you're the podcast type, you can download the whole entire show as podcast on iTunes, but a big welcome back to the uh, Radio Live Sunday social chair to Mr. Piyush Chandra, PC. How are you, buddy? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me over, Vaughan. Hey, no problem at all. And I know it's a fairly busy time of year, even for us kind of, you know, self-employed uh, digital <laughs> types. There's always sure stuff is. to do. Um, 
one thing I, I used to do a lot of this, and I, I, I don't do it so much anymore. Maybe I should get back into it. Is the home baking for gifts for Christmas, <laughs> and you know, you can't go past uh, some 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 uh, home baked biscuits or cakes. But I don't need to do that anymore. I'm a schmuck. I can get Google to do it for me, right? That's right, Vaughn. You can. So. So here's Google, uh, one of the most obsessive companies when it comes to testing, and they decided that they were going to make the perfect cookie for their staff. The perfect cookie. Now, this is not to be confused with the sort of cookie that a, uh, a, a web page might drop on your Chrome uh, internet browser. Oh. This is an actual cookie that Cookie Monster might eat or you might have with milk. Or, or indeed, you could leave out for Father Christmas. That's right. You could leave it out for Father Christmas, I think. Um, although I am a big fan of Cookie Monster. But... But what these guys did is so interesting. So a group of them decided that they were going to use artificial intelligence to help them create the ultimate cookie for that audience. And I want to keep stressing so, that so point So we, we grew up in New Zealand using AH, which is Alison Holst. These, oh, right. these people are using AI, which They're is using AI, artificial yeah. intelligence. That's right. To make That's a right. cookie. To make a cookie. So get, get this. They took a basic cookie recipe. They made the first batch. They've served it out to all of the staff that were working on that project. This is a good project to work on. It is, isn't it? And then they got them to rate the cookie on a bunch of features and fed that back into an AI engine. And they repeated that experiment. So an AI engine is a, a very smart program running on a very big computer, basically. Yeah, yeah basically. It's a, it's a piece of software that um, uses a thing called fuzzy logic, which helps it understand how to tweak little things and ingredients inside a recipe, for example, and as a result of that, um, start to improve the end user's perception of what's going on or start to answer some and questions. And try, try and work out which ingredients uh, correlate, I guess is the word, with high high satisfaction ratings from, yeah. the, from the people who try the cookies. Exactly right, exactly right. Now, you know, lots of people have been doing this for a while, um, but it, it's really hard to do. It takes a lot of effort, lots of computing power, um, and I guess that's kind of the power of Google is they decided to use it to make the ultimate cookie. Now, here's how obsessive they got about it. Um, they did 59 different experiments to arrive at the final result. Now that's that's a lot of batches of cookies because you, you know you or I, you might take the basic recipe from a, a recipe book. Oh, I'm going to add a bit more sugar, and that for for there on in is you is know, the formula. PC's family cookie recipe. That's but right. Google's done the hard work for us, and they've come out with the perfect. You should, and if you want this recipe, I'll I'll tweet it. I'll tweet it right after the show. There's a reason to follow me at Vaughn Davis, or just Google Google cookie recipe. But it's the chocolate chip and cardamom cookie. I know. I wouldn't have thought of that. Neither would I. And and I, and I guess that's kind of that's kind of the really interesting thing here is that the artificial intelligence engine designed the recipe for the people that were giving it feedback, which means that these are personalized recipes to ah, just that group of people. Right? That's interesting. So for the people in the Google group, this is their perfect cookie. But if let's say I had my Google Home, which is my little um, smart speaker thing sitting in the corner. Um, read me out this cookie recipe and talk me through making it so I'd make it. I'd get to the end and it would say, how would you rate that out of 10? And I'd, or, and I'd, I'd give it the score. That's and right. it, it then, the next time I asked for the cookie recipe, might change it. Yes, exactly. 
And this is this is the most amazing. I mean, I know I've been banging on about conversational UI for a while. But so conversational UI, you mean speaking to a computer and a computer speaking back to you, rather than that's right. You know, tapping in the code. That's with, right, with, or, with or staring keyboard. at a screen. Yeah, and yeah. and so you know, I don't know if it's the same in your household, but when we try a new recipe, I always go back to the kids and say, "Well, what did you think of that recipe?" Now, Google Home recognizes their voices, so. If I wanted some feedback and I wanted it to be delivered honestly because they can't tell me to my face they don't like it. Google Home could just listen. <laughs> oh, that cookie that Dad just gave us was awful. So that's absolutely fascinating. I mean, I'm going to, here's my pledge to you, PC. I am going to, over the holidays, look up Google cookie recipe, get some cardamom, whatever that is, <laughs> and some chocolate chips, I know what they are, and make the cookies and, and see how they are. So this is a good example of, uh, I'm guessing, that Google 10% time that they give to all their uh, employees, or you know, where, where everyone, well, I'm told, yes. who works at Google is permitted and required to spend 10% of their work week doing just stuff that interests them, right? That's right, yeah, it is. And, and uh, I think it's a, it's a great example of what happens when you have a knowledge-based business that really invests in, in letting its people kind of pursue that passion. Hey, I want to stick with Google for a little while since we're sort of on a Google roll. Yeah. Have a listen to this. Here is your story, Mike's cool story. Hey, that You're was a lovely story, PC. What was that? What, what, what was that that we just listened to? Well, what you heard there was a thing called Story Speaker, and it's a new experiment that's come out of out of Google. Uh, and what they're Is essentially Google paying you to be here, PC. <laughs> I hope not. Well, I hope they did. Well, no, they're not. It'd be not. Everyone would like to be paid by Google. That's but, right. So that's Story right. Speaker. So it's well, I heard I heard uh, I heard a robotic voice, which I guess is coming again from that Google Home speaker, yeah. reading out a story. But there's more to it than that. Oh, there is a lot. So. So one of the problems that we've got um, with any sort of uh, conversational UI is that the skill set required to develop it is really, really advanced. We're not all computer programmers, exactly are we? right. And and you know it's been it's been a while since I've written any code that's meaningful. So so what this does is it allows you to type out a manuscript in a Google Doc. So a, a story, a story, a kid's story in this instance. And when you bold the copy. Uh, it ignores it and uses it as a directional narrative, and when you leave the copy italicized, it just changes the tone of voice. And what it allows you to do is to say, hey, Google, tell Sp Story Speaker to tell me the tale of, and you name the story that's in your Google Drive. Right, Vaughn's, Vaughn's Day Baking Cookies is the name Vaughn's, of my, yeah, exactly. my story. But exactly. it's not just a straightforward story, is it? That's the point. It's interactive. No, it's very interactive. So you can, you know, construct a whole series of different scenarios and let people experience what you as the narrator wanted to happen, but then give them an opportunity to participate. And, and as we know, you know, magic happens between the audience and, and the actors. And in this case, the, the actor is coming to life through Google Home and the audience being the people that are listening to that story can actually direct the flow of that story. So there used to be uh, books, which I, to be honest I never got into, but I, I know people who did, called Pick a Path. Where you, you, know, you read a story and say, you know, um, you know uh, PC went into a forest and it was a, a dark, scary forest and there was a, a, a train station on his left and a, a wharf on his right. You know, yeah. if, if he goes to the train station, go to page 25. If he goes to the wharf, go to page 79. Yeah. It's a bit like that, right? So, it's so it's no almost exactly like that. Like, I don't, I don't want to make it sound more complicated than that. Yes, what it's doing in the background is very advanced. and it's the, way not that it, the way that it turns basically a Word document or a Google document into programming is very, very clever. Yes, but it fundamentally, is. Fundamentally, yeah. this is what it does. That's exactly so what it does. So this is live 
have now, if I if I happen to have a Google Home speaker, which I do, and, and I think after Christmas quite a lot of people will, yeah. if I happen to have one of these, I can just, in Google Docs, go right ahead and do this yeah. now, right? It's you like, can. You just, you just download the add-on, uh, type in your story, hit play, and... Off it goes. And what, what's the name of it? What should I Google to, to find? Story Speaker. That's Google the name Story of it. Speaker. Yeah. Really, really cool. Now, I promised at the beginning of the show that we would talk about kittens and tech because no story uh, about uh, the internet is complete without a mention of kittens. And you've got one that brings together one really hot topic, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, with uh, one perennially hot topic, <laughs> yes, I do. Now, a lot of people are talking about this, so so I'm not the only one. But uh, but you might have heard of crypto kitties. Well, I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of crypto kitties until you mentioned it to me yesterday. But since then, in 24 hours since then, I've seen half a dozen news stories. So right. crypto kitties, crypto kitties are going off. They are indeed. So what this is is um, is you can purchase a crypto kitty. Which has a unique set of characteristics. So let's 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 just be clear. Crypto Kitty is not uh, an actual kitty. It's no. just a. It's, it's actually just digital. a picture. It's a picture of a cat. Yeah. You can just, purchase a picture of a cat. Yep. And people are spending somewhere in the order of thirteen to twenty-four U.S. dollars to buy one of these assets. And so that's been that's been the really interesting thing is that you know Bitcoin for the longest time has been this alternate currency. Uh, well, which for, has for three or four years has been this alternate currency, right? Which has been used for some very dubious things. But the underlying interest in blockchain has always been that what will it allow us to do going forward? And, of course, one of the things that happened with the Internet is that... Um, you know, it was very easy to reproduce things. So you could reproduce a song at will. So suddenly the value in those those artifacts kind of zero. dropped but, away. But, right? but with, with blockchain, the idea is creating unique identifiers for things. And sometimes it's a bank balance. Uh, sometimes it's a, a document. Sometimes, in this case, it's a unique digital cat. So I go to this website, CryptoKitties.co. Mm -hmm. I buy my digital cat for $25 NZ. Yeah. What then? Well, you can do a couple of things. So you can um, Turn rent. Turn off computer and go outside. You could do that. Yep. You can rent it out and then go outside. I can rent my cat out. You can rent your crypto kitty out. Yep. Uh, you can also offer your crypto kitty, which has unique characteristics, up to mate with other crypto kitties to make new ones. That's getting dirty. It is, isn't it? But, but here's the thing. The underlying value that then gets created lives inside your crypto kitty's blockchain and the future descendants of them, which means that the original crypto kitties are now worth somewhere in the order of 120,000 US. Get out. <laughs> and is actively being traded right now. Okay, this is ridiculous. Uh, no one should go to this website. No one should spend $25 on a crypto kitty. I don't want to be a naysayer, PC, but... Well Nay. <laughs> well, I want to. I want to turn you to what it. I want to turn you to what it lets us actually do. What so, does it let us do? So, if you can achieve this for a simple cat-based game, mm -hmm. imagine what starts to happen when you use the exact same technology, but for contracts. So, we're seeing increasingly more and more people getting involved in the gig economy. You want to still protect your intellectual property rights. You want to hold on to copyright. All of that's getting very so complicated. For for, so, for documents and and the creation of unique and ownable and valuable online online creations right yeah exactly so exactly. so today today crypto kitties tomorrow the world after the break the apps and websites you just have to have to get through the week ahead back soon 
It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. And welcome back to Sunday Social. Yes, indeed, don't worry, be happy. There's a bazillion apps out there, most of them are rubbish, but PC and I have spent most of the week <laughs> in the app stores working out which ones are worth downloading. Well, the first one I've got, PC, is um, you're a homeowner, right? You're a homeowner? I am indeed, yes. So, um, I mean, you're a capable man, you're a very capable man, but there are some things that you want to you wanna outsource. I absolutely believe in outsourcing to the best experts available. Or, indeed, anyone who'll turn up and do the job. Um, tradespeople are like hen's teeth, especially here in Auckland where we're mm, fortunate, unfortunate, well, where we live. You yes. know, there's a bit of a building boom, as there is in many parts of the country. Uh, I've been waiting to get my fence fixed for mm, two months now. Yeah, it's not yeah, uncommon, quotes, is it? post moments. Oh, save me. Anyway, turns out there's an app for that. Now, caveat, it's not perfect. It's quite new. It's got some fish hooks with it, uh, but it's a start. It's called Trady, T-R-A-D-E-E, -E. and it's a classic uh, market-making app, right? Yeah. So you've seen this all over the place. So if you're a tradesperson, you can list your services and list your rates and make yourself available. Uh, if you're a, a homeowner or someone who needs work done, you can, um, you can look them up and, and book them. Kind of cool. Yeah, it's pretty good actually. And and look, there are, there have been other services out there that that have done exactly the same thing here in New Zealand. But I think it's really good to see that it's finally turning up as an app and and a native app whereby you know when you put out your request for quotes, you get those notifications coming back to you straight away. I mean, it, mm. it really does simplify the whole process, and you're not left leaving voice messages and follow ups and wondering where things are at. It actually just kind of streamlines the process. And I guess the other thing, being being an app, uh, a socially driven app, uh, a lot of it will be driven by ratings and recommendations. So it's early days yet, but as it gets going, you know, when you get someone to, I don't know, mow your lawn or top your trees, you'll rate them and yeah. other people will see the rating of the tradespeople yeah. and vice versa, the tradespeople will rate you. If, if, if they're anything like Uber, they'll go, oh, that PC. That's right. And, and that's, a, that's sweltering a, hot day, you didn't bring me a lemonade. That's right. And, and that's a little bit, of course, of concern because, you know, some people are incredibly good and you really don't want them being discovered by others because then they become too much in demand. That's a really good point. So, if, <laughs> oh, that's, that, you're gaming, you, you haven't even used this app and you're gaming it. So if I get someone to finally fix my fence and they do a really good job, I should give them a really low rating, right? So no one else books them. So they'll be available when I need them. Is well, that what you're saying? No, that no, what you're saying. no, that's, that's not what, what I'm saying. I'm saying, I'm saying temper, no, no, temper your it. exuberance. Temper your exuberance. <laughs> curb your enthusiasm, especially if they're working on my curb. That's right. En enthusiastically. Hey, a couple of caveats. It, it's new. Uh, it is available for iPhone and Android. Um, the, the download and the sign-up were mm, a little bit sort of slow and, and stumbly for me. Might have been just me. The weird thing about it, though, is throughout, and reminder, this is 2017 here, uh, all throughout the thing, it talks about tradesmen, 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 and there's full of pictures of men with beards and cartoons of men with beards. And Last uh, I checked, there are some trade ladies out there as well. So are. Apart um, from the gender skew, uh, tradey, interesting New Zealand-made app to have a crack at. Um, therapy. Therapy on the internet. Yes. Now, um, I've, I've dug into this before, and I don't know if it was when you were on the show or not. There's a couple of um, apps and chatbots that use cognitive behavioural therapy just by talking about things and reframing attitudes and things with the idea that it will... 
you know, reduce symptoms of anxiety and depression. Have you, you come across those before? I have indeed. In fact, I, um, I had the opportunity to work with, uh, with one uh, a while back, uh, which was all about helping you overcome uh, fear of flying. Oh, really? By giving you little exercises to keep you preoccupied and calm. And that stuff works, right? You, you might think, oh, we need, you know, actual people to, you know, address our, you know, our psychological or mental health issues. But actually, a computer program can do that. It can, and, and it, you know, it's really useful if it's, if it's good at distracting you or if it's good at reframing things. What, what, um, what did the fear of flying one do? Because this could be handy for when I take people on the plane. It just kept reminding me to breathe because I'm not a very good flyer and, um, you know, I, I have to travel a lot and... It well, just I'm really not, simplified things for me. I'm not going to invite you for a ride on my aeroplane. Um, <laughs> I will not you, be accepting. You won't, see it, you won't see it as the treat that you should. No. So anyway, this this is a New Zealand-made website and app. Yeah. It's called Think Ladder. So yeah. thinkladder.com. I guess you you know climb out of a bad place. I guess is the the metaphor they're going for there. Yeah. Uh, and really cool. So um, made just north of Auckland at Snell's Beach. In fact, right. Without making you, you know, um, sweaty and anxious, I was flying over Snell's Beach in my little aeroplane just yesterday, um, which is near Walkworth. So a couple my of Snell, gripped. Yeah, a couple of Snell's Beach locals, they, they were using this, you know, cognitive behavioural therapy thing. And when they could get people to use it, especially uh, at-risk youth and youth offenders, especially when they could get people to use it, yeah. it worked. But the big barrier for them was the stigma with going to see a therapist, right? Right, and, okay. and maybe it's a Kiwi thing. You know, in, in, you've, you've done a lot of work with Americans, I'm sure. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like every American is in Has therapy. Every, yeah. I know this great guy. You're going to yeah. go see this guy. Yeah, pretty much. Um, in New Zealand, bit of a stigma, right? We're not going to admit to that. Well, maybe you don't need to. So this website, which is thinkladder.com, sort of packages up a lot of what happens in those therapy sessions, cognitive right. behavioural therapy, as a sort of a bunch of step-through exercises, which is kind of cool. So and is, it, um, and, and is it actually used by therapists themselves? Because that's the ultimate test, isn't it? Well, when they need therapy. <laughs> I, ther I think therapists do need therapy quite a lot because sure be, it's, it's pretty stressful stuff. And then conversely, um, people with mental health issues are often attracted to those professions. Right. Okay, go. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, mate, I studied psychology and there's some interesting people in the class. Nice. Um, so it takes you through theme by theme. And, you know, it might, I had a look at the theme this morning, perfectionism. I thought that's interesting. I wonder what, uh, what, they, what, they, uh, what they do for perfectionism. And it said, okay, here's the unhelpful belief. And the unhelpful belief is, you know, when I'm unable to fulfill my personal expectations, I feel unsettled and anxious. Oh, sounds kind of true. Mm -hmm. uh, there are no excuses for mistakes. Oh, yeah, I believe that. And then it says, you know what? It's safe to make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. And yeah. the idea is it, it identifies that unhelpful belief presents the helpful belief and then allows you to sort of store that in a wee, you know, wee personal gallery so you can go back and refer to it. And it's handy to have those reminders, isn't it? Because unless you're making mistakes, you're not really learning. That's right. Although I've, I, I, I don't know whether I should, you know, put this in an aeroplane context because we'll just make you more anxious <laughs> than you already are. You would like to think, of course, that pilots never make mistakes, and if they do, they do it in the simulator. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm almost convinced that that's not the case, which is why I get so fretful. You're, you're probably right. You're probably right. Who are these roosters up the front? You know, they'd, they'd be doctors if they tried harder in school. <laughs> they're just they're kind of the, you know, the, the second-rate professionals. Well, they're not even. I wouldn't even say you know, like pilots aren't professionals, are they? Are they really? They don't have. 
Look, I, I, I want it to be a profession which is all about staying up in the air, so we're, we're good. Well, you want to come down at some point. <laughs> you need to come down at some point. So, uh, yeah, perfectionism uh, may be important when you're a pilot, but thinkladder.com, really, really interesting uh, interesting site. Hey, I want to, I wanna, we've just got a few minutes left. I want to end, and I've been meaning to talk about this for ages, my favourite app of all time. I keep showing it to people. I keep bragging about it. I keep trying to convince people to use it. And I keep running into people who still, after all these conversations I've had, uh, still don't know about the power of it. And looping right back to the beginning of our chat this afternoon, it's, um, it's made by Google. Google it Photos. Are you, are you a fan, PC, of Big Google time. Photos? Big time. Big time. What do you um, like about it? Well, a, a couple of things, but really the best, there's two features that really sell it to me. The first one is you can take some of the crappiest photographs ever, and if you take lots of them, it uses a little AI engine in the background mm -hmm. to tidy up the image, get the coloring right. Take the best of many photos to make one photo. To make one photo. That's and, amazing. You know, and so, that, so that's what a professional photographer does when they composite images together. They take yeah. lots and lots of shots and they pull them together. And that's exactly what this thing's doing. And it's actually very good and getting better every day. It, and is, that's the thing about Google Photos, it gets better every day. So that's yeah. your favorite feature. And I will say... This app is a free app, and it's available both for Android, which you'd expect because it's Google, but yeah. also for, for iOS, for That's iPhone. Right. My favourite thing is that, you know, you take your photos on your phone, you link them to your Google Photos account, which is free. Uh, it uploads them as you go. The first time you do it, it might take you days, uh, but yeah. after that, it does it as, as you yeah. go. It knows what's in your photos, and I love this. So yes. if someone says to me, hey, I hear you've got goats, show me a great photo of one of your goats. Yep. I just type goat into Google Photos, and yep. it goes through all my, there must be 10,000 photos there. Yep. Um, 9,000 are of me. Uh, <laughs> and the 1,000 that aren't of me, it, it just looks for what it thinks is a goat, and it finds the goats. It's incredible. And it, it can is. be really nuanced. You can say, you know, find me hot chocolate, and it yep. finds photos of hot chocolate, or find yep. me... Um, I don't know, Pahutakawa, and, and it finds that. And, okay, so, so let's take this all the way back to where Story Speaker is going yeah. with all of this, right? So, so all of that knowledge about those images in your Google Photos actually gets put together into a little time-lapse movie of your day. So, no. so we did a trip to Hobbiton. This is now two years ago. And it makes a time-lapse movie. And it made a time-lapse movie earlier today and just kind of sent it to me and said, hey, this is what you were doing two years ago. That is absolutely awesome. Hey, speaking of which, it's been awesome having you on the show as always. Thank you for joining me, PC. Always a pleasure. And uh, thank you also to Jake Miller from Unfiltered in the first half. Sarah O'Dwyer in the booth. As always, stick around for the weekend variety wireless. I do. I'm Vaughan Davis, 99.